all airmen are capable of accomplishing tasks outside their core specialty based on their capacity. Welcome to the Air Force Doctrine Podcast. My name is Nicholas Hundwood. On this episode, I sit down with Chief Master Sergeant Sells and discuss the origin and future of the Air Force's multi-capable airman concept. Chief Master Sergeant Jason R. Sells is the senior enlisted leader to the Deputy Chief of Staff for Logistics, Engineering, and Force Protection at Headquarters U.S. Air Force in the Pentagon. In this capacity, he serves as the Principal Enlisted Advisor to Deputy Chief of Staff on all enlisted force development, morale, welfare, readiness, and mission generation at Air Force Logistics. Chief Sells has been involved with creation and development of the multi-capable airman concept since the early days of development and currently leads the Air Force's MCA Development Working Group at Headquarters Air Force. Here's our discussion. Chief Sells, thank you so much for being here today. This is a very exciting opportunity. The multi-capable airman concept, it touches every part of the Air Force. Uh, we've heard the chief recently say that we are all multi-capable airmen. We uh, heard on a previous podcast uh, different ways that AFSOC is getting at this. I talked to airmen at different AFA conferences. They're all excited about it. They want to learn more. They want to do more. Uh, we're working with some of the brightest people in the country uh, wearing the Air Force uniform. They're after this concept, but uh, we owe them more information. So I hope we can we can do that today. And so you've been involved in this, as I said in your bio, from from the almost the inception of the idea through the current development and you're looking towards the future. So let's really dig into it, uh, but let's start with the basics. What is the multi-capable airman concept uh, as you see it? Yeah, hey, say, thanks, sir. And, and, and thanks, LeMay Center for having me on for this. So this is uh, pretty important as, as we hear the chief and he gets out there and, and he talks about this. One thing that he says to us, especially up in the air staff is, is that I can't have ACE without MCA but I can have MCA without ACE. And that gets into the that all airmen are MCA. But what in fact does that mean, right? Well, first off, I'm gonna tell you right now, MCA is not a program, all right? So please, nobody out there frame this, that MCA is a program. Uh, MCA absolutely starts with the mindset and, and it gets after that, you know, you have to realize that those functional boundaries or those functional lines that we have that are out there that those are designed for how we assess and how we grow technical expertise but once when you gain that technical expertise you have to be able to learn this is about providing a capability uh, we get so focused on being platform or functional specific versus what are the effects or the capability we're trying to deliver what I really love is when you get into Doctrine Note 1-21, that definition that we put in there absolutely sums up what is MCA. Obviously, I know that it was very tied to as we started this back during the journey in 2019 of, of ACE, but it still applies. You know, airmen with broad and cross-functional, along with those expeditionary skills to adapt and overcome challenges, and that they are trained as a, as a multidisciplinary team uh, outside the core AFSC. Where we are now, where we're trying to go with this as we move on is that we look at that what our end state we're trying to get to is. So all airmen are capable of accomplishing tasks outside their core specialty based on their capacity. The capacity is very important as we perform these additional tasks with available resources and within an acceptable level of risk, right? So as we characterize this to commanders is what's the risk we're willing to accept, but that individual capacity is very important. But then when you go past that, right, and we look at that, so that's all airmen being MCA, 
but there are some airmen that have the capacity to be able to take on more responsibility, that they can handle more bandwidth that comes on. And that's when we get into these multidisciplinary teams to be able to support agile combat deployment as we know it today. So, so that's where we look at this and we try and frame this up is, is that yes, all airmen are MCA um, in some form or fashion or some capacity, but not all airmen are going to be have that capacity that is able to execute uh, within that scheme of maneuver when we get into that high-end fight. Thanks, Chief. I, I really like that. I like how you hit on capacity as opposed to some of the terms like do more with less. We're not asking folks to do more with less. We're asking what can you do? What are you capable of? Uh, and try to get that on uh, to fill that extra capacity that you have, not asking you to create capacity that you don't have. Is that fair, fairly accurate? It is, right? And so I think the question that we got to start looking at is the other thing too with MCA is this is not additional duty. Please, right. there's such a negative context that comes with, with MCAs and additional duty. What we ought to really look at is, is what are these airmen that are taking on more responsibility, what are some things that they're going to stop doing? Right. That's the things that I would say commanders and SELs that are out there is, is that that if we want to be able to get after the capability of our mission or to be able to enhance our readiness, what are some of the things that we're going to have some of these airmen that are out there to be able to, to stop doing whether there's are some additional duties of the pulling where they are doing uh, a safety program or they're the scheduler or the training for the organization for their section, particularly. Uh, maybe that's something that we have other airmen that are not being identified for those uh, for those additional skill sets that they bring to the fight. And so MCA also implies there are things we may have to stop doing in order to do things that we need to do. What I want to shift to, I want to talk about the origin mm -hmm. of the MCA concept. And so it definitely came out in, in, in the ACE doctrine note. But as you envision this concept, as we looked at it, is it strictly tied to ACE as it developed? Uh, it was, it was ACE first or was MCA first, or is this all kind of coming together? Yeah. So great question. And so this all started with adaptive basing, right? This is where it all started. It started with adaptive basing. Um, and then obviously between futures and, and, and as we, determine the concept transition into adaptive operations in a contested environment. Um, and, and so that's when we got into agile combat employment. Um, and so obviously that is a proactive and reactive scheme of maneuver. And as we have been doing distributed operations, uh, we've been doing this for a long time, all right? Uh, we have concepts that are out there where we take contingency response, and those are all made up of multi-capable airmen. We have had some actual frameworks that are there that have already been developed underneath maintenance. We've always had cross-utilization training. Uh, it's great because we've all been throwing out this term cut, but the Air Force just now formalized it uh, about three weeks ago into the Air Force training program again. So before that, it's been pulled out and only assigned to maintenance training. So, But as we went through, it transitioned to ACE, and that's when we realized, hey, if we are moving forward and we're trying to to underneath the calf mindset with the fighters if we're trying to be able to execute this we can't take a full 250 to 500 aviation force package we are going to have to scale down we're going to have to find out which common skill sets that are there with a reasonable acceptable risk to be able to continue to project air power which is pretty important when we look at this because the way we generate is by functional specialties 
and that's even on the operator side, right? And we look at it under the maintenance, we look underneath logistics, communications. And so because of all this, especially with General Brown getting in there, we looked at the action orders and accelerate change or lose. Everyone has been thinking about a different way of thinking. It's been thinking more about what capability can we produce and started to think about, do we really need these AFSCs or what AFSCs do we not have that we should be having? And then commanders are actually looking at this of how do I sit there and, and employ in a better way to get after our capability. I want to pull one thing out that you said, understanding that cut training is is spark of the idea that is is allowed us to envision what MCA could be at a much more operational level, uh, cut training very much being the tactical. Uh, a lot of our maintainers or those close to to the maintenance career field will understand what that is. So just so that uh, the kind of the seminal idea of cut training is, can you explain that just a little bit uh, for those who maybe not familiar? Yeah, absolutely. So when you look at it here, cut training is defined in DAFMAN 36-2689. And the definition of cut training is specific functional training, allowing individuals to perform tasks outside of their primary AFSCs to enhance mission readiness and increase operational capability. What does that mean? Well, when we look at lifecycle training, everybody knows about the career field education training plan. And you look at all those tasks, those are all tasks that career field functional managers uh, all come together and they design. These are the tasks for RAFSCs to be able to execute. But what is not in there is job qualification tasks. And so that's what you see on the legacy form of Air Force Form 797. Those are the cut tasks. Anything that is not inside your CFETP, those are additional tasks that are identified there to execute at the unit that still require mission qualifications, but may not necessarily apply across to the entire AFSC when you scope that out. So in the end, CUT is a capability. Uh, you brought up the CFETP, which is, for lack of a, an aviation analogy, is just training records, uh, the proverbial uh, letter of X's. And so I, I want to pull that apart. I've heard a lot of people refer to MCA as a uh, something that would be a letter of X's, a, a another list of uh, on my my training forms of things I want to check off. Is 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 that the vision? No, the short answer is no. It's not. Here's why. So when we look at all airmen or MCA, you don't need a letter of X, right? I don't need somebody to to tell me build a training plan so that I can get after supporting somebody during an operation. When we walk around there and we look at a maintenance organization, say we'll use a fighter generation squadron, and we go into the unit and we see that there are airmen with some downtime, maybe they're taking a break, that's great. But when there is maintenance going on out there, are we being highly effective by having airmen sit around and kind of wait till their next task comes up or are they getting out there and executing that task? But not necessarily we need a letter of X's, but we do need training plans when we look at it to build what does that mission qualification look like for our mission generation teams or our mission sustainment teams that we are currently in development out there across the MAGCOM? So the, the, the fact is, you know, the connotation of letter of X's, it's very clear. We have continued, we've developed what's called the table of authorizations, which was to help develop a baseline for airmen that are being trained to be able to enable ACE so that between multiple CAF platforms that are out there between if I transfer from PCS from PACAF and I go to USAFE, that MCA skill set, those skills transfer over. And then what I'll also talk about is, is that why we develop these table of authorizations that, that get after this is, is received the letter of X's is, is to help characterize risk. 
it's it is a minimum baseline that we develop for them to be able to be trained to but also it helps that we find like similarity between AFSCs, but it gives that force element commander an opportunity to determine and see how can they best employ their forces as they uh, as they're executing, especially in ACE. I really like that, and and it's something we haven't mentioned yet. But all these concepts, ACE, MCA, and and I'll throw out mission command. How much of these are tied together? You talked about the 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 commander being able to understand the risk and reduce the risk. Excellent example of accepting prudent risk by mitigating like career fields. The other thing we we talk about in an upcoming uh, Doctrine Note on Mission Command is this term you've used multiple times called capacity. And in the Doctrine Note, it talks about capacity as the gauge of how much an organization has adopted the principles of Mission Command. And in this sense, we're talking about the airman, the example you gave of an airman taking a break, but mission needs to happen. In this case, it would be the the airman understanding the mission needs to happen, understanding that intent, and instead of waiting for to being told what to do, realizing something needs to do, using that extra skill set or that cut training that we provide them to go out there and get after the mission. Am I capturing the vision? Yes, sir. We talk about this, right? I, I, I relate it to me. So, you know, my core background is aircraft weapons. When we go and work we're downrange, we're executing the, the tasking order that's out there. I get a, a, a fragmentary order, right? I get a frago and I never really pay attention, but the one thing I cared about in that frago was what was the standard conventional load that I had to go execute? So what were the munitions? What were the fuse settings? I get all this in there. I had no idea that it was listing out the situation, the mission, the execution, you know, the administration and the command signal. I, I would just say that, especially on the combat support side, we do not empower and inform our NCOs to understand what it means when we when we talk about SMEAC, you know, that acronym there that comes out of the five paragraph type order. As we go through this, because a lot of us just execute that, hey, you have a uh, you have a shift supervisor or you have a section chief who's issuing out tasks to you and everything. But if we start talking in these distributed mission command as we move this out, it's going to help us be able to execute to where we are able to understand exactly that intent. And that's an important piece as we as we move forward into this is that we're going to be pushing mission command down. Right. And I don't mean in the way of like, hey, we're just going to be delegating. No, it's the fact is, is that because we're going to have senior NCOs, we may even have tech sergeants that are out there in charge of this mission generation out at a contingency location. And what happens when you've lost communication? Do you still have that mission type order to know what you're going to be able to execute? Is that that pilot that's landing there, they bring in orders with them so that you can be able to execute and deliver that. It's I'm excited for this. I'm I'm really glad to see this doctor note chart start to take shape, and and we're pushing this within within our working group as well to make sure that we're including these in some of these training objectives as we get after this. That's fantastic, Chief. We could pull this apart for for hours. I, I'm a big fan of Mission Command and, and, and multi capable air, and I I want to keep going. Uh, in terms of the MCA piece, I, I know you guys are working out of the group in a separate conversation. You had mentioned there's a Frago coming. So what are you guys actively doing to push more information out about MCA? So right now, what has been published is there is an ACE training and certification Frago. In that order, and it's you can read it, it's just like a five-paragraph mission type order when you get into there. Um, it has listed out what are the weight of training as you go through Afrogen? It has how we operate at the tactical and, and operational levels. And in there, it spells out 
what is the MCA and it actually highlights the MCA framework and it and it talks about the cut training it talks about the ready airman training uh integrated in there and that this is absolutely not just for ace but also as we execute the mission in a deployed environment we still need airmen that are multi-capable so the ace training certification frago has been pushed out the a staff training and certification task order has been pushed out and then there will be an xab training and certification task order that's rolling out as well and then obviously the doctrine for mission command because of all this we absolutely realize that because I, we fully recognize that the field is confused on what does it mean that all airmen are MCA and what is MCA for ACE? So the intent of this Frago is absolutely to that, is to be able to help formalize MCA training objectives to help develop cross-functional competencies so that we can execute operations across a full range of military operations for air power employment. So that is what we're trying to be able to do. It's not to be so prescriptive, but it's to help define some definitions that are out there take what chief's intent is uh, of what all airmen means for mca but then help characterize what the risk is and what force element commanders should be looking at as they are designing their uh, their force to be able to get after the mission chief thanks for that uh, question i have let's say that mission command ace uh multi-capable airmen the the information we're pushing out there we get it out to the force we start to develop this we embody this 10 years from now, what is your vision? What does this look like? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. Um, and it's something that we get constantly as well. Um, I think what, what we will see is, is that we are still trying to institutionalize MCA. And why is that? Because we're still trying to continue to, to evolve and develop MCA as we move along. What, what we hopefully that we see is, is that we are building MCA into our life cycle training so that when an airman's going through, you know, pacer forwards as they go through basic military training and they're getting those, that foundational exposure during basic training, that all that exposure and all that fundamental training that they get just doesn't stop as they leave BNT. And that when they roll into technical training, that Yes, some of them are learning the first time what a hand tool is or, you know, the learning how to be able to use some systems that they haven't seen before. But at the same time that they are also continue to be able to build this to where MCA is part of our culture. That is part of our DNA. What I would envision is, is that that when we talk about all airmen or MCA, that we talk about this just like every Marine's a rifleman. I would eventually love to see to where that we don't say that that we need MCA will say that we need airmen, right? Because we do need airmen that are multi-skilled that are out there going into the future. So what I always say is, is that MCA is not a workforce or an AFSC restructuring, but it could potentially highlight where some of our gaps and seams are as we start looking at this. And we may find that, that as we continue to mature, especially Afrogen, and we look at our capabilities that this potentially could end up leading into some of our other AFSCs that we are redesigning to be able to help look at those similarities because we are smarter, we are evolving, we are better as we move into this. So especially when you look at the Air Force future operating concept, I mean, multi-capable airmen is a big part of the future when we talk about these six fights and move forward. So it's an important piece. So I hopefully to see that we mature MCA, we will always need some form of a multi-capable airman to get after those specialized teams 
But in the end, that all airmen are MCA and that we just say that's who we are. As an airman, we are multi-capable. I, I really like that. We've, we've always said that our people are our greatest asset, and this is really leaning into that concept. Um, it's fantastic. Uh, I, I want to thank you for getting here because I want to give you this final question and have that kind of be how we close. So, uh, Chief, again, thanks so much for being here in this final remark. Uh, a chief usually developing our CGOs, uh, developing the junior NCOs, and uh, senior NCOs out there. With all the work you've done on the MCA, I want to give you an opportunity here in closing to talk directly to them as they're out there doing the hard work, trying to change our culture, change the way we, we function to, to meet this concept. So what is your message to them? So I, I look at this and I characterize a couple things. So we look at what is impeding us from moving forward. And I say service culture and mindset. When we're under crisis, right? When you look at what just happened, you know, a couple of years ago when we evacuated Afghanistan, under crisis, I think all of us are are built into where this ethos, because we all wear this uniform that that no matter what is going on, we're going to be able to help out, whether you're trained or not, right? I mean, nobody, you know, our adversaries don't care and look at that you're over here saying, I'm not trained in this, I can't help you. No you're going to be able to make that mission happen. It's deliberately to move forward. So what we have done is, is that we've got to look at this from our culture and we have to realize that we're not protecting our heritage of our Air Force specialty. We have to look at this as, how do we get after this from a capability standpoint? What I would offer to um, to our, our leaders out there, especially in the CGOs, the NCOs, the senior NCOs, I would look at this that this is leadership. And as we're getting after change, uh, one thing I loved is, is Dr. Cotter talks about, you know, change management. And when we look at this is that change is about managing the complexity of the management side. On the leadership side, it's helping cope with the change. And so as we go through this, right, what is the intent when we look at the complexity of it as we're managing this, but then about coping with it? How are we, what's the message that we're sending to our airmen that are working for us, right? Trying to be able to help shape this. As we move forward and we go through this, we have to realize that we are a very risk averse force. In some areas, uh, in some mission sets, we should be risk averse. When you look at surety, absolutely. We get more flexibilities to move to conventional. And then as we get into that high-end scheme of maneuver, when we talk about ACE, we need a lot more flexibility. So when we talk about this and we talk about the mission command, this is all about that leadership. This is where we need to empower. And that is what MCA is. It is empowering. It's giving our airmen cross-functional skills. We're broadening their skill sets. And that makes us better as a service. It actually helps us grow. Um, so I hope that they take that and they realize this, that go to your group commanders, go to your go to your installation commanders, ask them what is the intent? What is the what what decision authorities do I have to be able to execute as they move forward? That's going to do it for this week's Doctrine Podcast. The show is produced and edited by the LeMay Center's Doctrine Outreach Division. Special thanks to the LeMay Center and Air University. As always, the views expressed by our guests and hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Air University, the Air Force, or any government agency. I'm Nicholas Underwood. We will see you next time.